Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. This is the second episode in our two-part series on families coping with the pandemic. Yesterday, we heard from parents dealing with things in their own ways. And today, it's over to the kids. Sometimes happy and sometimes sad. Ugh, I don't like it at all. It's been very interesting because there are obviously tense times and there are times where everyone would just like to leave the house. What do they know and think about the virus? How are they coping? And what are they worried about? We find out how Aussie kids are getting through 2021. Move by Mamma Mia! is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia! subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. Just a heads up that today's episode does discuss self-harm and suicide. If this is an issue for you and you're a grown-up, please reach out to the guys at Lifeline. They're on 13 11 14. But if you're a kid and listening to this, Kids Helpline is waiting for you if you need someone to talk to. 1-800-55-1800. There has been a lot of discussion about children at this point of the pandemic. Back at the beginning, we felt safe in the knowledge that they weren't affected by the virus itself, more impacted by the fallout from it, the extended lockdowns and restrictions that saw them separated from their peers, extended family and teachers for long periods of time. But now the Delta variant is infecting more children and with outbreaks in New South Wales, Victoria and the ACT and two of those at least looking at opening up despite rising cases while children remain unvaccinated, there are a lot of fears from parents about how their future will look. But how do the kids feel? For starters, they know more than you think, like Tilly, who's six. I think it is just a big... Cold. Why do you think we have to stay at home? Because we can't spread it all around because then we will have to maybe have it forever. Do you think people get really sick? Yes, and they might die if they spread it all around. Harper, who's 11. I don't know really how it started. There are a lot of stories, but... Something happened over in China and it created this virus and it's like easily spreadable. It's very contagious and people from China came over to Australia, which caused the 
first lot of COVID-19 last year and then we had to go in lockdown to prevent the spread and people who were in contact with people who tested positive for the virus had to go into isolation and then this year it was brought over to Sydney and Sydney brought it over to us in Melbourne I'm pretty sure. So then we're back in lockdown again. And Lily and Charlotte, who are 16. Recently, Australia got infected with the new Delta virus, which actually affects children more. Some places in the world are now out of lockdown while we're still in it. I'm not really sure about like America or England and stuff. It's a bit iffy because different places are affected and whatnot. But like in America, if you're vaccinated, you don't need to wear your mask. Whereas in Australia, even if you are vaccinated, you still need to wear your mask. Some kids aren't coping with being locked down with mum and dad for long periods of time. Ugh. I don't like it at all. There are some good parts to homeschooling, but really it's hard when you don't get to see your friends or talk to them. Like, I've had my birthday in lockdown for two years in a row. Now I was going to have a big party because I just turned 11 and that had to be cancelled and it's just really upsetting. If we get a whole bunch of cases... I feel a bit anxious, but if it's, like, just pretty relaxed, then it's just, like, the kind of same old routine that I'm used to. So just doing the same stuff every single day. It's been very interesting because there are obviously tense times and there are times where everyone would just like to leave the house and just all settle with themselves, but they really can't. But it's also been very funny in instances where watching sometimes mum and dad work together because one of mum's jobs, she does work at the same place that my dad works. And they often have little arguments that are quite funny or sometimes little things that they do aggravate each other and it's just funny to watch. But I don't think it's really affected our relationship because it's highs and lows as like they usually would be. But it's sort of figuring out how you're going to calm down from the situation when you can't leave the house. But some aren't necessarily unhappy about spending time at home with their grown-ups either. Sometimes happy and sometimes sad. Why happy? Because we get to spend some time together. Do you ever feel worried or scared about the virus? No. Why not? Because um, we are staying at home. Instead of going outside, because then we'll get the COVID. If we go anywhere that loads of people are... Some kids are also more impacted by their parents' behaviours during times of high stress as much as they are by their own situations. That does make me feel anxious because I feel like if other people are getting worried about it, then there is something to be worried about. Back last year, I know I was feeling very stressed about it because it was like something new and haven't experienced anything like it. While younger kids seem more at ease with lockdowns and the pandemic in general, what about being a teenager during all this? It's a time when you're naturally starting to move away from your immediate family members, 
discovering who you are as an individual, almost adult. How has being away from support networks of friends impacted Lily and Charlotte? I mean, we still have our jobs because we both work at Woolies, so we're both frontliners. So we still have that sort of independence of earning money and gaining like our own independence in a job. And we're both very different people compared to what usual teeners are like. Like I can't stand social situations and I hate parties because I always end up getting a headache at them because of like the loud music and stuff. So I've never really felt the need to be independent from mum and dad, but I still grow that independence and it sort of has interrupted it because I can't see my friends and I can't go out and I can't hang out like, you know, with other people in in new situations, but it also hasn't affected like the way I think or the way I act. It's been more of a struggle with school. With me, I found out the classes that I really enjoy because I put my time and I put my effort into them. And then with other classes, I've just been doing the bare minimum. And just like not being able to see my friends has been a real struggle. How did you go with like having access to enough, you know, devices? Because a lot of your stuff is done on screens now. Do you have enough? Do you have to share? How's that worked? We have enough. We both have our own new computers that we recently got because our old computers broke during lockdown. We both have our own phone and our own iPads. I mean, mine's a family iPad, but no one uses it anymore, so I just keep it in my room. But other than that, yeah, we have pretty good usage of all of our devices and we don't really struggle with not having any. How have you stayed in contact with your friends? Are you FaceTiming them? Have you been able to do that? So we use Microsoft Teams for our schooling. So sometimes after class, a friend and I will FaceTime or I have a best friend and we're in a lot of classes together this year. And we did this last year in COVID too. But whenever we had a class together, we FaceTimed each other during the class because We would talk to each other during the class in school and the teachers would know about it, but this time the teachers don't know about it. Like nothing's really changed. So that's how my best friend and I stay in contact. We FaceTime each other nearly every class we have together. There have been some alarming media reports that children are presenting at emergency wards in huge numbers suffering with COVID symptoms. Social media posts from parents show frustration and anger at not getting access to vaccines for kids, leaving them vulnerable to the virus. But how much of that is actually happening? Professor Ben Murray is a senior clinical academic at the Children's Hospital at Westmead and deputy director of the Marie Bashir Institute for Infectious Diseases and Biosecurity. He says there's no doubt the Delta variant is infecting more kids, but that's not the stat we should be looking at. I think we can certainly say that there are large numbers of children being infected in Sydney. We have around 1,500 kids that we are aware of their infection and that are being followed up. Luckily, very, very few of those children present to hospital or develop severe disease. At the Children's Hospital at Westmead, we have had two admissions of children who developed some lung inflammation. Both of them improved very rapidly on treatment that was sent home within three to five days. We haven't had any children in the ICU 
The one child who did pass away at Sydney Children's Hospital was unfortunate to have had pneumococcal meningitis, and we think that the COVID diagnosis was just incidental. It wasn't the reason the child ended up in hospital. So overall, I think we can say that our experience has been that even with Delta, most of the children are perfectly fine. Nearly all of them are being cared for at home without any issues. We haven't seen any severe or long-term complications. And in the hospital, most of the children we have in hospital at the moment is being cared for in hospital because their parents are in hospital and there's no one to care for them at home. So we call this home in the hospital. And currently there's a whole ward dedicated to children with either infection or with parents who are infected, but who are not diseased, but they need to be looked after. So essentially uh, running a a large crash where kids are closely observed while their parents recover. When we spoke to one of our university colleagues, Tim, he said that, in fact, you had been seeing quite an increase in children coming into the hospital suffering with anxiety. What's happening there? Are they talking about what's triggering that anxiety? I can only speak secondhand. We've definitely had reports from our psychologists and psychiatry colleagues saying that they've seen quite a dramatic rise in the number of children reaching out for help or parents reaching out for help because they either young kids or adolescents are experiencing severe anxiety. There's a large number of children whose parents report that they have severe night terrors or nightmares, which is one of the signs of anxiety, especially in children who are not easily able to articulate their fears. We've also had about a 25% rise in New South Wales, in self-harm in young children. And the feedback we are getting is that most of this is anxiety-driven. So I think that's been the universal feedback that I've been getting from colleagues working closely with child support services. And have those colleagues suggested that that increase in those cases is due to the lockdown restrictions or the pandemic in general? Yes, I think that's definitely the impression. I shouldn't say the lockdown alone. It's more the climate of fear that we have created around COVID, especially for children where they are highly fearful of this virus that they cannot see, which everyone warns them will infect them, that they are scared to consider going back to school. While we know that the international experience are that schools are generally safe places for children, at least as long as their parents and teachers are all vaccinated. We would still think it's a good idea to vaccinate all kids over 12 as soon as we can for them to go back to school with confidence, but also to minimise potential spread that can occur in schools. But even the unvaccinated kids and the kids under 12, there's no indication from what we've seen in Australia or what we've noticed through our contact with UK colleagues and the reports coming out of the UK for them to be fearful. How do we help kids avoid that fear that we've constructed around this virus? Because it is everywhere. It's very pervasive. It's on the TV. You know, it seeps into their everyday life with warnings and sanitising and social distancing. How do we help children cope with that? It is a very difficult message to get across that we obviously want adults to be responsible, to not spread the virus, to practice social distancing. And I think there's been a sense that the best way to achieve that in adults is to scare them. It's correct to be fearful, but the big difficulty is how do we get a different message to young children 
because young children not only are exposed to the same images, but they're also very attuned to how adults around them act. And that's where I think we haven't been getting the right message across. We've been trying to make adults fearful by using their children sometimes as a lever, telling them that their children are at risk and that's why they should get vaccinated and that's why they should behave themselves. And using children to instill fear in adults is having the complete opposite effect where I think you end up with children who are more fearful. So really, we shouldn't give children the message that they have got anything to fear. And I think we should very explicitly say that, that children have nothing to fear. The whole pandemic experience has been tough on kids, especially those whose home lives aren't a stable and happy one, who are exposed to domestic violence and poverty without the escape that school often provides. But it's not all doom and gloom. A recent thread on Twitter discussed some of the positive experiences children had been reporting since COVID arrived in Australia. Some parents said that it had been a relief for those kids who'd been experiencing bullying behaviours at school. Others said that their child's academic progress had flourished under the one-on-one focus they got from their parents or carers while homeschooling. Some said that this is time they will always cherish, almost like those endless summer holidays we remember from our own childhoods, the ones where we didn't go anywhere or do anything, we just were a family. So what are Tilly, Harper, Lily and Charlotte most looking forward to once COVID is tamed and we start to get back to normal? It's all pretty much the same thing. They just want to see their people. I'm most looking forward to seeing people in Adelaide. I really want to see Xavier Ola and Granddad and Grandma. I'm looking forward to probably just being able to socialise with my friends, having sleepovers and, like, just having fun with people and going to places, going on holidays and things like that. Hugging my friends. I just want a hug from my friends. I'm looking forward to life going back to normal and getting back into a routine that I'm comfortable with and going back to school and doing schoolwork properly. This episode of The Quickie was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Siobhan Moran-McFarlane, with audio production by Ian Camilleri. And if you would like to let us know what you think of the show, we'd be keen to see it. Just rate and review us in your favourite podcast app. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.